0: Hi everybody, my name is Nathaniel Dahlquist and I'm here with my business partner, Alex Friedman. We are bringing you the Top Tutor Podcast, which is information for parents and tutors who want the best results. We're so happy to be here with you today. And we're gonna talk about some things that have come up with our clients recently, some questions we've gotten from parents, and we're pretty excited to talk about it and bring you this
1: information. Hi, Alex. Hey, Nathaniel. So the question we have today is, are Ivy League schools actually the best? And Maybe I'm a little bit biased or bitter. I did not go to an Ivy League school. I was, uh, as some of my clients know, a high school dropout. But since you went to an Ivy League school, <laughs> what, what can you tell us about the quality of Ivy League education versus everything else? Wow. It's it's honestly a great question because
0: I have a lot of long phone conversations with parents about the Ivy League schools for many reasons. One of them is because the it, it is just so... Hard to get in. <laughs> the admissions rates are just so low. And um it's there are eight of them, right? So there are eight Ivy League schools. It's also worth noting that the Ivy League is actually an athletic conference. Wait, um, what? Really? Oh yeah, it's true. It's true. It's the eight, it's it's eight schools that uh make up an athletic conference. And when was
1: this when was this created? This athletic was it like you know what? That's a good question. I don't actually know.
0: Um, but it's it's old. I'll tell you that. It's really old. Um and so that's really the only actual distinction. That's what the Ivy League is. It's an athletic conference. So they all play each other in the sports, which as you as you may have guessed, are not actually what the Ivy Leagues are best known for. Uh but yeah, so I went to Yale University. I graduated in 2015, and it it was a really wonderful place. I really loved my experience at Yale. It was it was a blast. I learned so much. It was definitely the right school for me. It was the the right place for me. Um, But it is not for everybody. And there there are a lot of reasons for that. The first reason, which might be the most obvious, is the level of academic rigor. So these these schools are notorious for not giving out a lot of very good grades, uh, for having really tough professors who, you you know... (laughs) I remember taking midterms and feeling like I'd answered the question really fully and getting like half credit because they were like, no, nah, you didn't, you didn't quite get there. And I'm like, okay, but I literally told you everything we talked about in class, everything we talked about in the study sessions with the TA, like, I don't understand what the problem was. And I never, you know what? I never found out either. <laughs> um There are a lot of really, really wonderful things about the Ivy League schools. One of them is their commitment to well-rounded students with lots of extracurriculars. So, you know, I was in a couple of acapella groups at Yale. I did a lot of theater. I have a lot of friends who did improv, who did sketch comedy, who, you know, did They got all these cool internships and worked with really amazing professors or, you know, I went for undergrad, but some of some of my friends worked with grad graduate school professors, you know, charting the retrograde motion of Mars and like working as an assistant dramaturg at the Yale Repertory Theater with some of the Yale School of Drama professors. It was uh, it was very cool. And those opportunities were really amazing and give you a nice insight into some professional level or graduate school level work. Um, the thing that I tell my students about the Ivy Leagues, and here's the thing. I had these this really great group of senior girls that I helped with college admissions this year. And Brown was like the meme school of the year. Like everybody wanted to go to Brown. I still don't really know why Brown is great, but it was just so popular. And i w- I told these girls. I was like, I totally understand why you want to go to Brown. The prestige is great. You'll meet a lot of amazing people. but like a lot of them wanted to be environmental scientists or like environmental engineers and do things with, uh, you know, preservation, with ecology, with that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, some of the graduate schools at the Ivy Leagues are great for that. But if you want to do that for your undergrad, there are better places, you know, more in the forest for you to go study that. So uh, I actually pointed those a couple of those girls toward schools in Colorado, and they gained acceptance to acceptance to CU Boulder. And to Colorado College and to a couple of other places that have incredibly strong programs uh, in that. You know, I a couple of years ago, I had a girl who really, I mean, more than anything, she wanted to go to MIT. MIT is not an Ivy League school, just in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> uh, but she she didn't get in, although she her application was so strong. I was really surprised that she didn't get in and it was it was too bad. And yet. Then she got twenty thousand dollars a year to go to CU Boulder to study aerospace engineering, which has one of the top five undergraduate programs in the country, because CU Boulder partners with Lockheed Martin, a company that does a lot of they make rockets and other space things. They're very secret. They have like a lot of uh, cool places out in Colorado, and they um, she loves it there. She totally loves it there. She is so happy. And I talked to her once, and she said, Nathaniel, I I was. I still am a little bitter about not getting into MIT, but
1: this was definitely the right place for me. And There's that makes me so happy that she, yeah. Uh, someone wanted to add about schools like MIT. So when I was an undergrad, I did not go to MIT because I, you know, they don't look not so good on the dropouts, but my my girlfriend at the time was a student there. And so I, I knew a lot of people there and it was an excellent school, but something someone told me was that when you're at MIT, like you're just not gonna get a lot of attention. Like maybe you were like the best student wherever you were, but at MIT, you're just one out of a, you know, several thousand absolutely brilliant people. And if, even if you're equally brilliant, you won't get as much like one-on-one attention. You won't get as much uh, help from professors. And, but if but if you're like this top student who's really interested in something, you go to some other school, almost any other school, you can actually do a lot more. And you can get a lot more attention. You can, you can make a lot more progress, make a lot more connections than you can in one of these I guess MIT is not, as you mentioned, an Ivy League school. And is it is the athletics league? Is that that's why it's not? Yeah. Um, but it may be a better choice personally. You may get a better education.
0: Yeah. You, you might get a better education. You might have better connections. Uh, and if, especially if you really know that you want to go to school, for example, for a STEM thing or for and this is really true for a conservatory program like Yale is not Yale might be the Ivy League of like the arts or of music and theater but it it they just don't have they don't force you to go to ballet class at 8 a.m. every day so if that's what you want to do you should definitely go somewhere else <laughs> That would it would it would not serve you uh, if what you want to do is like be like a musical theater performer, for example. I mean, I mean, there's a still a great you can still get a great education at an Ivy League school for that. But if you're looking to develop craft skills, if you want to go to like a vocational type school and really Get some work skills and then get into the workforce and have a job and make money, which you know is is actually a pretty great idea. Uh, It might behoove you to look into some other schools that are going to give that to you because the Ivy Leagues are much more about like we're going to teach you how to think for four years, we're going to teach you how to interact with other people and make a lot of friends in various fields and give you an education. But that doesn't necessarily mean you can just get a job right out of
1: uh, right out of school. So. What are the Ivy League's best for? Because that question comes up a lot. And from what Mm. you're saying, it sounds like they're the best for reputation and perhaps like a general academic background.
0: Yeah, I would say that if you here's here's the thing that an Ivy League school is going to give you. And I can attest to this because it's it's true for me. It's still true for me. I, I cash in on this all the time. It's the name the name of the school that you went to is going to be a rubber stamp that you can use forever. And the if you say you went to Harvard or you went to Princeton or you went to Dartmouth or Columbia or whatever, people will respect you. I mean, some people specifically won't respect you for that but i would say most people will give you the benefit of the doubt will assume you're well educated will think you know what you're doing and i have definitely used that <laughs> uh and it it works it's and and you know what it's true too because you you are well educated if you if you went to one of those places i hope i don't know anybody who's not but um so it's uh that's that's what they're really really good for and There's one other thing I want to mention before I get to the academic programs, which is that one of the great strengths of the Ivy League schools is their financial aid. So my education, I believe, cost the least of my three siblings. I went to Yale, my brother went to CU Boulder, and my other brother uh, went to DePauw with a W in Greencastle, Indiana. And because Yale has so much money and a really generous financial aid system, like my last year of school was free. Like I didn't pay for it and it's so expensive now. Oh, oh my. It's like, I think it's north of $75,000 a year now. I think that's what I, yeah, it's, it was like 55 when I went in the, you know, mid 20 teens, but that's a lot of money. And some people do pay full ticket price. That's true. But if you get in and it's, and they have their financial aid office, look at the statistics from your family and all that stuff in your FAFSA and your, um, application and all that, you can you can get a very generous financial aid package that will help you go to school, um, which is really great. I would say that the people who I know that have benefited the most from the actual Ivy League education are scientists, politicians, and lawyers. <laughs> uh, I have a friend who is studying hurricane science, and she had got some really great connections through Yale. And that uh, program that she went through, Uh, got her a spot in a PhD program at a university in Albany doing exactly what she wants to do, which is track and study hurricanes. And she's already like written papers. It's amazing.
1: You mentioned uh, connections. What about the alumni network? Ah, the alumni, the alumni network is it's is that a it real a, thing basically? Oh yeah.
0: I, the, I would say that the idea of like the Yale mafia is like a little bit less true than people like to think the secret societies are real. That's a real thing. The, uh, the finals clubs, uh, the, the at Harvard, like those types of things, they absolutely exist 100%. I was not in a secret society, so can't help you much with that one, but, uh, yeah, everybody, um, when, if you have that connection with someone, even if it's from another Ivy League school, even if it's not from your own, I would say that there's an immediate connection that you can have with, with those people. And I have certainly benefited from my Yale connections in the musical theater world, because like my voice teacher, Victoria Clark is a Yale, And I met her because she went back to teach at Yale. So I met her and she helped me get my foot in the door at, in the acting industry in New York City. And she has a bunch of friends who are also into it. So Ted Sperling is a music director on Broadway. And uh, I got to work with him a couple of times because I knew him through Vicky, you know? So it's like, it's that kind of networking that can be really, really helpful, but it it manifests differently for everybody who goes through it. So I I do want to talk about the politicians and lawyers though for a second, because my friends who wanted to study politics or law a, a very large number of them wound up, you know, they did a pre-law degree or something like that. They went or a, um, a poli sci degree, essentially political science. A lot of them went to Yale Law School, a lot of them went to Harvard Business School or the Yale School of Management. And they worked on like I have a friend who worked on Hillary Clinton's campaign. I have a, I have friends who have worked on and on campaigns, both like Democratic and uh, conservative, uh, all, like all across the country. And it's been, they, they've really, really enjoyed their their Yale connections to help get them jobs doing what they want to do. And a lot of them went to the law, uh, the, a lot of them that went to law school are now finally getting their law degrees and passing the bar and starting their law practices. Uh, the guys I know, um, men and women who wanted to be doctors are now getting their placements and starting to begin, starting to begin, they're beginning that career for themselves. And that really, it really, really, really helped them to have those connections and know those people and sort of have an idea of what the upper tier medical uh, and law schools and facilities look like
1: before they went into that career path. So if I'm a tutor or a parent and I have a student that like just says, I really want to go to Ivy League school, what, what would you tell them? I would say that's a great goal. Let's look at
0: it. So, for example, uh I have a couple students right now who I'm going to start college essay editing with in the fall or in the in the summer actually. And they have some Ivy League schools on their list and I'm like, "Okay, this is great. Let's do it. Let's go full steam ahead." Uh the the essays have to be of a certain caliber and you have to have really done a lot through your time at high school and taken full advantage of the resources that your high school and your community offered you. And so uh, I have I have spoken to some people who have a little bit of insight into the admissions processes for these schools, and they have said that the, those admissions offices really do look at how well you took advantage of the resources available to you. So if your school doesn't have any AP classes, so you don't have any AP classes on your high school transcript, they're not going to hold that against you because they know the school doesn't offer that. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, I didn't take any APs. This person took seven. They're not really going to look at that in the same way because you didn't have access to that. Whereas if your school offered 20 APs and you took one, they're going to be like, why didn't you take more of these classes? Like, why didn't you? like avail yourself of the rigor and the potential to learn that you had available to you. Because that's what they want is people who are going to use their resources, go to the library, learn all of these things, you know, take the classes and, and pay attention. And so when I work with students on these applications, it's really all about creating something that's authentic to them, something that feels like their own voice, something that is their best work, you know, no grammar or spelling mistakes that goes without saying, but like, a really well-crafted piece of writing that is going to show the admissions committee, something that they can't see from the rest of their application. So the Yale, the Yale supplement essay, at least last time I checked is about 500 words and it's, what can you tell us that we can't learn from your application? Very open-ended could be anything. It's a tough, it's a tough prompt for a lot of 17 year olds to tackle, but they do it. They do it and people get in. So You know, it, uh, it's, it's different, it's different for everybody, but I will say that you have to really put your best foot forward to, to have a chance and to make yourself stand out and you use all, get all the help you can, because that, that real, that really can give you a leg up rather than just, you know writing
1: an essay in the darkness in your room and editing it and like, okay, this looks good. And then sending it off, you know, how do you deal with like reasonable and realistic expectations? Yeah, Cause obviously like everybody wants to go to one of these schools and what's the acceptance rates like one, 2% it's it's something abysmal. Oh, it's really, it's really almost. So, nothing. Yeah. So like, what, what do you tell kids and like, what should you tell kids as, as a parent or tutor about like, okay, you want to go to Yale or Harvard what do you do? Yeah, that's a great. It's a great question. Um, speaking
0: from my own experience with my application process, as well as watching some of my students apply and get in, you you have to be really engaged with the school. That keep in mind that these admissions officers, these people at these schools, they do this for a living. They read essays from high school students every single day. They have so much data. They have so much experience, and they they have seen cycle after cycle after cycle of students come through. And so it, it does matter if you're really engaged. So if you really want to go to a certain school, you should apply early action. If you are certain that you want to go there, you should apply early and say to say, I want to go, I want to go here. Here's my application early. You have a much better chance of, of getting in if you, cause you get two rounds, then you get the early admissions round. And then if you're, if, your application's denied, then, you know, if you're in, then you're in. And if you're waitlisted, you get looked at again, the next, for the regular cycle. So you basically get another chance, which is really superb. I will say that it's, it's good to have a co- it's good to have a couple schools like that on there. Do it. Absolutely. Send them in, make them write those essays and send it in. It's, it's a little bit like winning the lottery. It's uh, it, it is, and it, it can be feel like that. And it is like that in some ways. And so I always recommend that students have a list of like five reach schools, ten like Ivy Leagues or really 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 uh, great private schools or schools that they think that they might not be able to get into or that are kind of a reach for them. Five they call, we call them safety schools. Safety schools, sort of. They're not backups. They're just schools that you have a very high chance of getting into. A lot of state universities count as as um, those those types of schools. Uh, just a place that you can go, that you're going to be able to get an education. And sometimes those schools are the best schools. Like my, my student who went to CU Boulder, that program, very specific, uh, was perfect for her. Even though for many people, CU Boulder is like a backup school or a safety school, not for her. She's loving her life. That is, that was one of her top choices and rightfully so, because they have the best program around. And then usually a list of about 10, seven to 10 real possibilities. Like a lot of, um, a lot of schools that take SAT, ACT scores that are like for the ACT, like around, you know, 27 to 32, those are the, the upper schools are going to take higher scores than that for the most part. But like, if that, if that's your score range, then you can look at some really nice, like private or public schools, um, on the east, whether that's like on the east coast or one of the like UCs in California, like that kind of stuff, those are really, really great uh, options. And you don't have to apply to all of them. So you make the list. That's twenty schools, right? Five, five, and ten. So you you make that list, and then you you don't have to apply to all of them. In fact, I recommend you don't. You really don't. It's also really expensive. Oy. but um, you want to really look at them, research. Get to know the schools, maybe visit, do an interview, talk to them, figure out which ones you actually want to go to. And I always have my students play this game because I, I just did this with a girl a couple of weeks ago. I said to her, Would you rather stay home and get a job or go to this school? And she said, I'd rather stay home and get a job. She's like, I'd rather work in, you know, uh like get some experience in retail and and just see what it's like to live in the working world or take a break and go travel or go do something else. And that's amazing. That's great. That's a good litmus test for if you should apply or not, because if you really would rather stay home and get a job and save money and reapply next,
1: next year, that's a good reason to uh, not apply to that school. So, so fundamentally, like is life over if you don't get into an Ivy League. <laughs> oh my God, no. Here's the thing that people also um forget is that
0: the Ivy Leagues are undergraduate and graduate schools and places for to do doctoral work, PhD, post-grad stuff. So what that means is you can get an education at a at a you know regular Uh, At a public school, at a private school, at a non Ivy League school, and then go to one of those schools for grad school. I had a friend from high school who really, really, really wanted to go to Stanford, again, not an Ivy League school, not in the sports conference on the West Coast. (laughs) Um, But she really, really wanted to go to Stanford she did not get into stanford for undergrad and then she went and got like i think at least two masters degrees from stanford and you know what they <laughs> were ha- they were happy to have her they were so thrilled she's uh, she's an engineer now a civil engineer and she is rocking she's just she's got a great job she loves her life she's got her shiny stanford degrees and she was still able to i talked to her recently she said you know I thought that dream I had to let that dream go, but it turns out that I was actually able to do it for grad school, and I loved it. And she was like, "I'm really grateful for the undergraduate education I got. And now I'm grateful for the graduate education I got as well so that I can actually do what I want to do in the world. And now I have two sets of friends, you know, people from undergrad, people from grad school, uh, two different types of connections, different sports teams to root for, you know, so it 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 can still happen. And there are lots of people who don't go to Ivy leagues for undergrad who
1: wind up going there for grad school. And it's really fantastic. It's really, really great. How would you counsel someone who like is really unlikely, like psychologically? like how would you like, what would you tell a student? Like, like, it's, you, it's really unlikely for you to get into one of these Ivy league schools. Like what do you do if if they really want to, but it's doesn't, it's like not going to happen.
0: You know, that's, that's a good question. The thing is I have I now have enough experience to know that like, random things do happen they do happen my year uh, my year at Yale my freshman year there was a group of quadruplets who all got in and they got in everywhere. And let me be, let me be clear. These four kids are like so smart. Like I I can't believe they haven't like formed their own company and just like completely taken over the world, but they're four quadruplets who all got in. That is, shall we say statistically unlikely? (laughs) Yeah. Right. So there are, sometimes there are other factors at play. You never know, but what I usually say to those kids is here's what we're going to do. We're going to work on this application big time. We're going to make it as great as it can possibly be. And then when you say it's good, and when I know that you've done your best work, you're going to send it, and then we're going to work on some other things. <laughs> and and usually um, after they work so hard on that, what I found is when they do sort of the next round of schools, they're a little more relaxed and a little bit more comfortable just whipping it out. Because there's a lot of supplements you have to write to apply to a bunch of schools, and uh, they... They're more relaxed, they feel less freaked out about it, which usually results in better writing, which results in you guessed it, more acceptances. So it's very um, it's important to me that my students know how rare it is and how much of a a gamble it is. And but you I mean, throw your dice for sure. Take your shot, shoot your shot. But don't try a little Zen Buddhism here. Try not to be attached to the outcome because, and I say this to everybody every single time, especially in the end of December, when everybody's freaking out, if you can be your most authentic self and present your best work, then you've done the best that you can. There was nothing else you could have done to affect the outcome of what happened. And you have done everything within your power. And that is enough. You are enough. And you will wind up in the place that you're supposed to go. It's very important to me that they understand that because For a lot of the, we call them high flyers, a lot of the high flyers, kids who are used to getting straight A's, who did really well on their standardized tests, who have everything going for them, who are really capable, smart, wonderful people, don't always get into the Ivy League school, even though you totally deserve it. And uh, there are some, I've I've seen some uh, literature from the schools that basically says there are a lot of people, many, 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 many people. Who deserve to be here to whom we cannot offer a slot and there are any number of factors in play you know there are things i things i remind parents about is like at at a school like yale if you let in all theater majors you won't have a chemistry department (laughs) and so they have to they have to balance now thankfully we're away from the 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 time when you know it was like you need a certain number of jewish people or you need a certain number of women or you need a certain number you know like we're a little we've we've gotten away from that thank god <laughs> but it's still true that if you let in all the theater majors and none of the chemistry majors you won't have a chemistry department and so you know one kid who's super capable may apply to be a history major and they won't get in but if they'd applied to be a you know anthropology major they would have and that is impossible to know. Don't nobody asked me questions about how do I know which uh, <laughs> which which one of those a kid should pick. There's no way to know that's that is in the black box. We don't know those things. But um, I just I just want to make sure that all of my students know how valuable they are and that they're going to get an education no matter where they go, because they're alive. They're human beings. They're going to learn and grow no matter what situation they're in. And the prestige is nice you know the a plus is nice the gold star is nice but it's not everything and it's not <laughs> there there isn't like a little when you get the ivy league degree there isn't like a cute little wrapped present with a silver bow that's got a bunch of happiness in it you know it's like you, you it's a piece of paper on the wall it's behind me actually it's on that wall um <laughs> you're saying not it doesn't the happiness make you happy. <laughs> no no the degree is there the hap the happiness i had to find elsewhere. Um, Talk I about just, it on our next episode. Uh, yeah, no kidding. That's a that's a whole a whole other one, but it's it's not it's not the end of the world. I understand why people place such value on it, and you know what? Easy for me to say, right? Like I I got to go, so e- easy for me to say it's not the end of the world if you don't get in. But there there are plenty of things that I have wanted to do in my life and been denied by gatekeepers or by you know, I thought it was very unjust that I didn't get the opportunity to do something when I wanted to really be of service. Uh, as an actor, I am rejected all the time. I recently submitted a screenplay to a festival and got a letter back that was absolutely full of spelling and grammar mistakes. I can't even, you guys. It was so awful. But uh, you know what? It's... That's how, that's how rolls actually sent that letter to my students. I was like, I would like to give this to you as an example of how I, your tutor with the Yale degree can write a screenplay and get a rejection letter from a person who can't even spell. That's how the world works. My friends, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they actually, you know what? They loved that too. They, they were very, um, they were, um, appreciative of that. I showed them
1: my own rejection letter. <laughs> Great. Awesome. So sh- shall we end it here?
0: Yeah, thanks. I um I'm really thanks for asking these questions, Alex. I'm really glad to get to talk about this stuff. It's um it's really important. And you know, parents care a lot. Parents care a lot about giving their kids the best chance. And I I certainly do the best I can to help those kids out. It just it 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 certainly helps to have somebody there who can who can help you out, but there's just no way to know. There's no guarantee and if I could guarantee it, I would be the richest man on the face of the earth, but I can't. All I, all I can do is help the best that I can and and help the kid, help the student put their best self forward and be proud of their own work and know that they did the best that they could. Because that, that way, I st- I ha- I'm very happy to say that when I've talked to my kids who are, my students who are in college now, and I say, do you regret that you didn't go to MIT? They're like, no. No, I love my friends. I love my life. This is great. This was the perfect place for me to be. And that makes me so happy because when you do the very best that you can and show your best work and show your authentic self, you don't have to regret it because you know that you did
1: everything you could. That's like a good lesson for life in general. If you do your best, you generally don't have to regret any of the outcomes.
0: I hope so. It's a hard It's a hard lesson to learn, but um, I I am I'm proud of my kids who apply to those schools and they... Some of them get in and some of them don't. And so far they're all pretty happy where they're at, which makes me really like just as an educator is the the very best thing to know that the students that I teach and um work on with this stuff are happy and in a
1: place that they love. So so for anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you have questions for Nathaniel about yeah. schools or anything tutoring related, let us know. We'll have an email somewhere and wherever you're watching or or listening to this. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? No. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We're gonna um,
0: we're gonna be back with some more questions that we usually get from from parents or students. And if you have, yeah, if you've got any questions, let us know because we want to answer them. Because that's that's what we're trying to do here is like give you the information you want. So let it let us know so we can we can make it for you. Cool. Cheers. Cheers. See you guys.